You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Sure, you've heard the ad here on the show a few times now, but Squarespace really is just that good as a service for photographers. One of their models is that you can turn great ideas into reality with Squarespace. And here at the Master Photography Podcast, we completely agree. Squarespace offers easy-to-use tools photographers can use to build stunning websites that really show off their work and turns prospects into clients. Even better, if for some reason you get stuck somewhere along the way, there's an award-winning 24 by 7 customer service team ready to help. I want you to head over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch that new beautiful website of yours, use offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, host of the episode today, and I am joined by my good buddy and good sport, Nick Page. How are you, Nick? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on. It seems like uh, you you invite me on every time Canon releases a, well, <laughs> a camera. I mean, we're gonna get into that, but I just I like having a friend that's gonna take fire with me. So exactly, <laughs> yeah. We'll 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 go through this together, Jeff. Excellent, excellent. And I do have to say, you've been such a good sport with the whole Lord Page thing. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's been really funny. Um, you know, lots of people have joined our Facebook group by putting Lord page in as the name of the host. So I, I guess funny. that's better than like peasant page. Yeah. Or I like, mean, that's the whole know, idea. It, it's supposed to be an, an a, a thing of respect. It's like you've, you're, uh, you're just, your skills are so good as a photographer <laughs> that you, you shouldn't be just Nick page anymore. You should be, you know, you should have a title. Sir Nick page. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lord, Lord page. It's good. Anyway, Lord page. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll accept it. It's a I'll compliment. It. It's a compliment. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that's good. All right. So today in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about mirrorless cameras. Nick, we had you on when we last talked about Nikon Z, Canon R. We kind of went through those uh, those episodes to to talk about those cameras as they were released late in 2018. And like we just kind of alluded to, I'm not sure about you, but I took plenty of heat over those episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fun to like think back, uh, you know, like think back to what our opinions were then, as opposed to how the cameras have been received since then. You know, it's been probably what, like four or five months, something like that. I actually got to play with a, a Nikon Z6 and yeah, this one is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't amazing, but a lot of people seem to love the, the Z7. Um, not so much the OSR. I right. think that camera was exactly what we thought it was. <laughs> not not so stellar. I mean, mm. a fine camera. It's not like it's going to produce horrible pictures. <laughs> it's going to be fine. But yeah, we, yeah. we weren't fans. You can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, we'll do a, try to make sure we put a, a link in the show notes to those if you're interested in those. But we're going to talk about a different camera today. And um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to, to, like I said, have you, I wanted you to get in the quicksand with me. <laughs> Yeah. Because, you know, we, we hear from these fanboys and I, it, it's amazing to me. And, and I want to talk about that first, actually, before we even get into the specs of the, of the new Canon EOS RP camera. I want to talk about fanboys and brand loyalty because mm -hmm. 
I don't, I can't make sense of this. It is, it is insane to me that there are so many photographers that are so glued to their brand that if anybody says something negative to it, they get out the pitchforks and the torches and we got to burn that down. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand it. It's, it's crazy to me. It's, it's like a culture thing. I think, you know, in the United States, at least we're very like team oriented, you know, I am a Seahawks fan and all other teams suck. And, you know, they, it's kind of a culture thing. Everybody wants to belong to a group or belong to something. And sometimes people like belong to, you know, a, a brand loyalty thing where they're just like, so, you know, such a huge fan of Canon cameras or Nikon cameras or whatever. And they're just blinded to anything else. And if you say anything negative about that, that particular brand or, or, uh, you know, something that, 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 uh, brand releases, they just, like you said, they bring out the pitchforks and they rake you over the coals. It's, it's right. crazy. Just because, you know, based on specs. And I think that's another thing that's really important to say when we get to the, the RP and what we're talking about, neither of us has hands on with the camera. We've not, mm-hmm. we've not shot with it. Um, it, it so we kind of need to reserve the right to like change our judgment afterwards. We're just judging this from specs on a piece of paper, or in this case, specs from a web page somewhere. And, right. um, and reacting to how those specs are, what it is that we were hoping and how it made or missed the mark and, and so on. So we'll, we'll get into that and, and provide our opinions about it. But we do need to reserve the right to say, like, we could be totally convinced later that this is actually pretty good. You know, you yeah, because they yeah, go ahead. There, there are some of those like intangibles that yeah. don't show up on spec sheets. Like how, how much fun is this camera to use? Oh, or, yeah. you know, how it feels in the hand, ergonomics. Like that stuff doesn't show up in a DP review. Um, but, you know, you can kind of get a, get a sense for what a camera is going to be like based on, you know, some of those specs and stuff. And yeah, we'll get into all we that will. stuff. So there, there has to be some kind of like psychology that can explain this. I think the, this whole weird brand loyalty deal, there's got to be something to it. I'm not studied in that science at all. So if there's anyone listening who is and would like to come on and talk about like absurd loyalty <laughs> to a brand, I'd love to like learn about that. And, and it would be, I think, a super interesting episode because, and we've talked about this on the show a lot. We are all, I'm going to call it victims, <laughs> but we're all kind of victims of marketing at the very least. We're victims of marketing. Mm-hmm. We have been marketed to, and that marketing, it's been designed very deliberately. Like, there's smart people who build these campaigns because they know how to convince us that we should buy that product. And the, the ads are, are definitely built to do that. And if I, I'm hoping that if, as people listen to this episode... They can be a little bit more conscious of that, that, that maybe it'll take down the fanboyism a little bit. <laughs> maybe we won't get raked over the coals quite as bad if, um, if they're like, okay, there's been marketing that I have been consuming for a really, really long time as photographers. And maybe that's contributed unfairly to why I like this thing so much. Or I don't know, maybe there's also, I've heard some people say, you're justifying your decision. You, you invested, you know, thousands in, mm-hmm. in some cases in this product and you don't want anyone to tell you that your investment was not a wise one. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want anyone to say that was a stupid way to spend your money. 
Um, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of reminded, like everybody, well, not everybody, people that know me well know that I also golf. And what's funny about golf clubs and, and drivers and stuff is that there's actually restrictions that have been made to where golf clubs cannot hit the ball any further. So, so what's funny about the marketing for that is that, you know, every year they come out with a new golf club that is $500 and is not any better yet. They have to sell it like it is. And golf clubs have not improved in like a decade yet. Somehow they always convince you to spend that $500 every year. And it's, and it's kind of a similar thing where people get so brand loyal, even though one golf club is like, it's illegal to make them one better than the other. And yet people are still loyal to the, the brands there. I think it's, your, your golf analogy is a great one because uh, you know, it can help people step out of the whole photography world that they're so invested in, that, that those that are listening to this, ep- this podcast. And we can think about something that's, that's just totally different and how enticing it would, is it. And, and maybe this is why the advertising is so effective because it convinces you all you have to do is buy this club and man, you are going to hit the ball better, right? <laughs> Even though it's like actually illegal, if it does make you hit it better. And and (laughs) buying the club has a lot less to do with it than you're practicing and actually getting a good swing and getting the techniques down. And I love it because that's, I think it's a very, very close uh, parallel to photography, the same sort of thing. It looks so enticing. And we've talked about this before on the podcast that if we just spend, it's like, of course, you'd want to say, all I have to do is I have to buy that $3,000 camera and my photos are going to look like that. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true but at all. I will, but I will say that the cameras and camera technology is moving sure. at least a little bit, you know, so, <laughs> okay. you know, so Canon's coming out with their second mirrorless release, which is a pretty big deal. Um, but we'll talk about that. All right. So <laughs> to save it. I, I wanted to ask though, with this brand loyalty thing, do you have anything that you feel like if you're like really honest with yourself as you think about it, do you feel like you have brand loyalty to something that maybe has blinded you a little? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's blinded me. I, I think that when it comes to like big brands, like, you know, Sony, Canon, Nikon, like big, huge brands. I have zero loyalty because they're huge corporations that they don't care about me. And for that reason, why should I care about them? You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> right? you know, being loyal to Ford or Chevy. They, these are like, you know, giant companies that don't care at all about me. So for in my way of thinking, like, why should I care about them? Why should I be loyal to somebody that's not loyal to me? Where I am loyal, though, is in the smaller companies. Like smaller companies that, you know, like, you know, when I think about uh, smaller companies, maybe like a Shimoto or a Breakthrough Photography, small companies like that that are kind of just getting started and they're not this huge corporation, I'm I'm more likely to be uh, blindly loyal to them just because I'm you know, I'm actually important to them. And so they're kind of loyal to more loyal to their customers than a giant company would be because, you know, they only have so many and they need to be loyal to them. They need to treat them well. And so I think uh, I'm more loyal to smaller companies just because customer service is always better. And, and you actually feel important to a small company and you, you kind of want to root for the underdog. You know? And that's <laughs> right. That's kind of how I am. And that's and a fair point. And I guess another 
psychology thing to be cognizant of, conscious of that we we might have that whole route for the underdog thing. And so if you get a product in from a smaller company and are reviewing it, it's kind of this temptation like, wow, you know, they're little this little company produced this awesome thing and it's great. And it could slant your your perception of it a little bit, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's it's a. I think there's a lot of psychology to all of this stuff that I just don't know Absolutely. anything about. <laughs> but yeah, for me, okay. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking as I was preparing for this episode, do I have brand loyalty to something that might have blinded me a little? And I think I think I'm still objective enough that it's not. I wouldn't say I'm blinded necessarily, but it's possible. In the case of Godox slash Flashpoint. Um, so that's a brand of like flash stuff that I have just fallen in love with. <laughs> um, I've replaced, I've started replacing all of my young new equipment with this stuff. It's good enough. And and um, so it's it's very similarly priced. It's not a ton more expensive than the young new stuff, but the quality of it seems to be a fair amount mm-hmm. better. And um and it's I don't know it just it's like more reliable it it works really really well I've been so impressed with it that even with like my hobbyist budget I, I talk about this constantly on the podcast I I try to spend as little money as I can on photography it's mm-hmm. it's I have to this is a hobby for me so I don't spend lots and lots of money on photography they're good enough like I decided all right I've heard this from and maybe this was me succumbing to marketing <laughs> I've heard this from so many photographers. Now, it was more like one-to-one, peer-to-peer kind of marketing. Um, They weren't really intending, I don't think, to market anything to me. But there was just a lot of movement behind getting to these Godox and Flashpoint controllers and flashes. And so I got to try these out. Even though I already have what I need with the Young Nuo stuff, I got to try this out. Um, And so I did. Got the controller and I got some entry-level flashes, TT600s, and... They were better. So it convinced me I got to move. I have to reinvest the money, even though I've already spent money and I had kind of what I need. It was working fine. Um, I need this is good enough. This is better enough. I need to go and do that. So I switched to it. And so, so do you think that makes me a fanboy, Nick? I don't think that it makes you a fanboy because I personally think that you are loyal to the price more than that's the right. brand. <laughs> yes. And and that's that's kind of a it's kind of a slippery slope these days because there's a lot of like and I, I'm going into this with a specific company in mind, but there's a lot of companies that are China based that all they really do is they find find a product that sells well and is a good design and then they reverse engineer it and make something that looks very similar with and they make it cheaper and they sell it cheaper and they've never like really came up with an original idea on their own they just they just like copy what already works and and uh sell it cheaper because they can make it cheaper and there's one company in mind that i'm thinking of it's called leo photo i've not heard of this one And, uh, yeah, and it's, I almost don't want to mention them because people might be like, Oh, I'll go do a good good deal. But what they do is they basically just make knockoff tripods and ball heads and, and they've gone out and they like copy almost to the, almost to the, to everything, like a really right stuff tripod. And that they will, they won't even like hide the fact that like the ball <laughs> right, head, right. they'll, they'll, they, instead of a BH 40, they call it an NH 40. <laughs> and instead of a BH 55, it's a NH 55. And it's just such a, such a um, direct 
ripoff that it's, 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 it, you know, it's, it's undermining other companies that have actually gone out and done all the research and R and D and paid all that money. They just reverse engineer. And it's crazy that like, you know, there's not some kind of protection out there to like make sure that they're not getting, you know, copyright infringements and stuff, but you have to be careful about being loyal to price because uh, along with that cheaper price comes like very poor warranties, right. um, very poor customer service. And there's usually a company that they went out and copied in the first place. And that, that co- company is probably going to go out of business because somebody else is selling their exact product only a little bit cheaper because they are able to manufacture it a little bit cheaper. Sure. Yeah, to- totally agree. And I have absolutely been bitten many, many times on it was too cheap. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, which is, but that's part of what I'm trying to help people with who are in my same boat. They have the hobbyist budget and don't want to spend zillions mm-hmm. of dollars on this to wade through all of those choices and find the ones where there's this good balance between price and performance. And, and you get a lot for what you're paying for. Yeah. It still may not quite be up to the, the really nice expensive stuff, but it's enough. It's good enough. And um, I try to find those. And yeah. I definitely feel but like that's there with Godox. There's a saying that I say pretty often, yeah. though, and it's buy nice or buy twice. <laughs> or, and it's so true. I mean, think about how many flashes you and I have bought. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always loved Young Nuo stuff, and I, I actually have Flashpoint stuff as well. But man, I went through a lot of Young Nuo flashes. I wonder. I wonder how many I would have bought had I bought a slightly more expensive brand because I've probably thrown away four or five young new flashes in in my time with photography just because they don't you know they they they're not known for longevity. They're, they're not. They're known for a great price though. That's that's true. They're not known for it. I haven't actually. The only one I've thrown away was by accident because it fell off a cliff. So. So I've had decent experience. I'm not using them nearly as much as you are. So I, you know, it, it it does fine. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure there are advantages. There's probably build quality. I'm sure that's all true. But boy, the the price to performance was right on the young new stuff for the most part. And then the functional advantages, along with some build, I expect these flashes to last longer than young new stuff. Um, yeah. you know, was there. So it was enough to convince me that I need to switch to this. And that's kind of cool. I love it when I can find stuff like that that's out there. So hopefully it doesn't make me a fanboy of it. But I know it's going to seem like it because everyone who asks me about Flash, I immediately like, oh, you got to go check this out. <laughs> you got to go get yeah. the, the the Godox stuff. It's so good. And I think, and some of was like, weren't you a young new old guy? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> Not that long ago. I have a, I have two flashpoint things. I have the flashpoint Explorer, which is like the big 600 watt uh-huh. um, monolight. And I love that thing. Cause it's high speed sync. It has yep. like tons of power to over overpower ambient light and the battery lasts like forever. Yeah. So I've used that thing a lot. Um, like kind of getting back to the young new thing, little horror story about like using cheap stuff. I was, I was doing a newborn shoot or not a newborn shoot, but a baby shoot a long time ago, back okay. when I did that stuff. And uh, <laughs> right. I had, I had one of those young new flashes just like pop and blow up like the bulb oh, blew wow. up and like, and I don't know if you, you've ever been around one when, when that happened, but like this sulfur smell came out of the thing and smoke <laughs> boiled out of my speed light. And here I am photographing a baby. Like it was, 
terrible. So <laughs> things to keep in mind, like if you're doing it, um, you know, if you're making money from photography, there's, you know, the, the people that are hiring you are kind of expecting you to use stuff that won't blow up and kill their children. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there's that, you know, that expectation of professionalism and sometimes using the absolute cheapest thing available on the market is, is not exactly perceived as professional. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, and like I said, tons of cheap stuff is not even worth the money that you spent on it. It's just, it's going to break so fast. Tripods and particular light stands. I've been bit by those like crazy. It's just yep, exactly. got to invest a little bit in those. We've, we've all, we've all bought the cowboy studio yeah, yeah, yeah. light stands. And and like, how did that work garbage. out? Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you buy four of those and you could have got like two good ones. Yeah. yeah. That will actually work like more than one shoot. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I totally agree. There's, there's lines there for sure. Um, being price loyal has risks that you're going to buy yeah. something that actually isn't worth what you paid for it. So anyway, yeah, me and me personally, I would pay that 20% more just to have, especially since I'm, you know, a so-called quote unquote pro, um, I would pay that 20% more just to have uh, better customer service, better warranty, and hopefully a little bit more longevity sure. because that 20% is worth that. Yeah. As I, I would not be doing this if I was a pro. This is not how I would, <laughs> I would go about deciding what equipment to buy if I was a pro. This is yeah. totally because I'm a hobbyist. Um, yeah. And if I'm shooting a, a newborn baby and the flash explodes, then they're going to be like, well, we're good what we paid for. <laughs> exactly. <so." laughs> exactly. You, you see, you could take that 20% and use it to get a really good lawyer. Yeah. You see? Yeah, right? sure. <laughs> okay. Let, let's go though to cameras. So we talked about some other stuff with brand loyalty here. You switched from yep. Canon to Sony. Was that a tough decision? Did you feel any loyalty to <clears throat> Canon? I felt zero loyalty to Canon <laughs> and just because, you know, Canon, had ne- you know, here I was, I was like a, a up and coming YouTuber and I'm using quotation marks like, you know, and you know, there, there is a little bit of value to that, but Canon, Canon never was interested in me and they didn't know who I was. And so if they don't know who I am, why should I feel loyal to them? You know? And I think for most people, they're just a number to some of these larger companies. So I felt zero loyalty switching from Canon. The only thing that held me back at all was just making sure that I was making the right choice, making sure that I wasn't switching into a lesser system of some kind. Right, and that's, right. that was my biggest fear. Right. But that was the only thing that held me back. Okay. But did you ever feel like you needed to defend like when you were a Canon shooter, you needed to defend Canon. No, no. <laughs> like, you know, I would, I would hang out with the Nikon guys and they just, and they, and, and they would brag about yeah. their DA fifties and I'd be like, well, you know, the Canon's pretty good. I, I never, I actually had quite a bit of sensor lust when I was shooting uh-huh, with Canon sure. because I, I was fully, fully aware that both Sony and Nikon just had better sensors than my camera. But you know, that that the sensor isn't everything, but but it matters. You know, it's that last ten percent that could make your photography a little better. Um, right. And and I felt that lust, but I was I'd never defended Canon when when um, out of loyalty. Right. Okay. So, I mean, listeners of the show should know I'm I'm a Canon shooter too, but I do not consider myself a Canon fanboy at all. Sure, I really like my 7D Mark II. It's it does what I need as a hobbyist. I, I like to dabble in like everything. 
And the camera is capable of that dabbling in everything, which is really fun. There's not much that's limiting me on the camera and I, I'm enjoying it, but it's not that I think it is the very, in fact, to be, if I'm honest, I think I'd be a little tiny bit happier with the Nikon D500 than I am with the 7D Mark II right now. So, but what keeps me with Canon is nothing to do with brand. It's uh, the cost it would be or the effort it would mm-hmm. be for me to switch. That's the only reason. That's like, yeah. I, remember, remember, Jeff is not brand loyal. He's cost loyal. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I, I mean, the cost difference is not that great. The 70 Mark II D500, I think they're, you know, fairly close in price. That's, that's also not really the challenge. The challenge is I'd have to, like, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of years saving to get up good glass at, or decent glass anyway. I'm, I do Tamron glass and it's, it's been really nice. That has absolutely helped and improved the image quality uh, significantly as I got good glass. And so um, the thought of I'd have to sell my camera and my lenses and then go buy the D500 for just a little bit better. Like I'd, I'm not even convinced it would be night and no. day difference or anything. It would just be a little bit better. It's not even remotely worth it to me. <laughs> Just, yeah, you're, I mean, you're not even gaining any kind of new technology. Not like really. You're, you're gaining a little bit of high ISO performance yeah. and maybe a little bit better focusing system. But yeah. you know, it, it since you are seem seem, uh, and I've given you a hard time over this for a long time. Uh, since you seem determined to stay a crop sensor <laughs> photographer, why why not look at Fuji? I mean, Fuji, ha- Fuji now has pr- a much better camera available than the 72. Absolutely agree. And I have shot the Fuji X-T3. I really, really liked it. It would be yeah. cool. Same problem, though. I'd still have to sell off my stuff and go yeah. through the... I don't... It, and it's just even the effort of selling it. That that part alone, like, I got to go list it and I got to deal with people calling me and want to come see it and the whole thing for who knows how long before someone... And it's it's this is not brand new cameras here. So who what's the interest level even going to be? I just... I. I'm not. It's a convinced. painful experience for sure. <laughs> You're like going through and selling all of your stuff. It sucks. Yeah. And then you have to. Then you have to start thinking about like uh, uh, flash triggers and stuff sure, like that. Right. Like it goes beyond just camera and lenses. It's all all yeah. of the accessories as well. All those batteries you've invested in, they they will no longer work for you. Right. It sucks. Right. So I I just when I think about the effort, I would love to go to the X-T3 potentially, or I, I, I don't know. There's lots of stuff that would be super fun. I'd love to do full frame. I really would. It's just so expensive. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't get there. But <clears throat> Although with this latest Canon yeah, release, it's yeah, no longer yeah. expensive. Yeah, we're going to talk about Why not it. switch? We're going to talk about it. That's exactly why I <laughs> wanted to get here in this episode, because I, I think a whole bunch of listeners are going to totally be with us on, in this conversation, like uh, totally understanding where this is at and, and it's going to prep yeah. a, a good, meaningful discussion about the RP. So that's, yeah, that's because perfect. this camera is like pointed oh, yeah. right at people like you. <laughs> this, you know? If, if Jeff was a fish, this is the custom tailored fly that, <laughs> that, that, that Canon's created to try to catch me. And, uh, yep. yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. So, but first 
I need to put in a little ad here uh, for Squarespace. So at the top of the show, we talked a little bit about brand loyalty and the effects of marketing. But here at the Master Photography Podcast, we're serious when we tell you that Squarespace is something you really have to try out. We know that if you give it a try, Squarespace will win your business. Longtime listeners of the podcast will know I'm, I'm a really big geek who loves to get into the technical details of everything. But you don't have to be like me and get into the geeky details in order to create a truly stunning website that will help you turn your prospective clients into paying clients. You can start with beautiful templates created by world-class designers to show you your work and then customize it to make it your own with a few clicks of the mouse. Squarespace offers a powerful e-commerce feature that lets you sell your work and gather analytics about what's working well and what is not. One of the most important things about Squarespace is how well your website's going to look and perform on mobile. And you know that these days, most of those prospective clients, they're going to be looking at your work and finding you on their phone. So you, you have to make a good impression. That first impression on mobile is such a big deal. And Squarespace, it's going to impress. When they get there, they're going to check it out on their computer and they're going to close the deal. Whether you have a website today that you want to improve or you're just getting started on one, Squarespace is there to make the process simple yet produce the results that you're looking for. And you could try it out risk-free. This is one of the, the best things about it. You can head over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. Try it out. Let them give, give them a chance to earn your business as a, as a customer uh, for your photography website. And when you're ready to launch that new website, use offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash improve and offer code improve. And we want to thank Squarespace for making this episode possible. All right. It's kind of funny. We talk about succumbing to marketing and here we have some ads on the, on the show, but <laughs> but it's true. This is stuff that's really good. And I think it's a little bit different coming from uh, a podcast um, because we do a, we work really hard to make sure that the ads are very relevant and something we can actually get behind. So, so I, yeah. I think it's a little different. <laughs> it is ironic though. All right. <laughs> Canon EOS RP. Let's, let's dig into some details and some specs here. You know, one of the issues, one of the reasons I took a lot of heat last time was I tried to source some of the specs before Canon had their, or uh, Canon and Nikon had the full details of everything out on their own sites. And it turned out that some of the sources I looked at didn't have fully accurate information. <laughs> mm, and, and so I got taken to task a lot on actually it was, you know, this or that. Was like, okay. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't material change the general discussion because I missed, you know, a certain number or something. Anyway, this stuff came from Canon. So Except for one one place where I will tell you that I did the math, and so it could be wrong, but but um, there is one spot where I do the math because I couldn't find a consistent consistent information on it. Let's start at the top, um, kind of going through it in the order that Canon listed it. So it's not in any other kind of orders. It's how Canon listed it. But first thing that they kind of go through. Single SD memory card slot. It is UHS-2 supported and can take SDHC and SDXC cards. What do you think, Nick? Mm -hmm. I think for how cheap this camera is, that's totally understandable. Like, wait, what did this camera come out at? It came out at, what was it? Uh, like how last much? week. In uh, No, I mean price-wise. Price oh, point. It, it, that's, that's, let's save that to the very end. Well, that makes no sense. They should start off with that. That way, everything else is like an excuse. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it, it was it's priced at thirteen hundred dollars. 
1300 bucks. 1300 okay, so bucks. $1,300 brand new full frame camera and it's t- teeny tiny. So one SD card slot, totally understandable. Yeah. I give them a pass. I agree. <laughs> I, w- I won't I, complain about that. I'll, the, I'll save it. I still stand by my not giving the pass on the R, the big brother to this camera. Right. I should have had two. There's, I just still don't think there's an excuse for it. And, you know, people have droned on and on about this and how it's fine with one and cam- uh, SD cards are, are very reliable and blah, blah, blah. But I still think it needed to, the, the R. Yeah. But I'm, I agree with you. RP, I get it. We, the RP is one, is, is targeting the, uh, the less expensive market. It's targeting mm-hmm. me, the price loyal people. And, uh, and I'm, it's fine that they went to a single SD card. All right. Next thing was 26.2 megapixel full frame sensor. It looks like it's exactly the same sensor that's in the Canon 60 Mark II. I bet that's exactly right, which was probably the most poorly received sensor in Canon yes. history. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Terrible dynamic range. Yeah. Um, just a poor. And a lot of times, if the, if this stays true, a lot of times when these older sensors are adapted to a mirrorless body, the dynamic range gets even worse because <laughs> they're, they're using uh, some of that sensor for the focusing system and all of that. So dynamic range will probably be even a tiny bit worse than the 6D Mark II, which is pitiful because the 6D Mark II was actually worse dynamic range wise than the original 6D, which came out in 2012. Yeah, yeah. That is so the, the only one I know of, the only sensor I know of where it tested as having less dynamic range than its predecessor. And that's weird. I just, yep. <laughs> how did that happen? It's not to say that it can't produce awesome images because it can. The 60 Mark II, there are some, I know there's listeners, I've heard from them a little bit, who have the 60 Mark II and love it. And that is great. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy that it's working for them. I'm not saying you can't get beautiful images out of it because you can. It's just weird that for the only time that I'm aware of, you have a sensor that came out that tested in dynamic range. It's a pretty important aspect of sensors as being worse than its predecessor. And I think that has to do with the the dual pixel AF because, you know, it's a different sensor technology. Uh, The original 6D did not have that. I I think I I don't know for a fact, but I'm, I owned it and I'm pretty sure it did not have dual pixel AF. Right. So for that reason, I think the dual pixel AF kind of messes with the dynamic range of, of these sensors sensor. a little bit. Yep, yep probably yep. true. All right. Uh, they say it's the lightest and most compact full frame EOS camera ever, which is true, I'm sure. And yeah, uh, you by, know, a, by actually quite a bit. It is. It's you way know, it's smaller. Quite a, the EOS R was, I think, before this came out, the lightest of the of the full frame mirrorless cameras. This one's considerably lighter than that. So that yeah. part is impressive, and I think that's like the main selling point for this camera. In fact, so little that um, they're concerned about the ergonomics of it, and have put out a little. It's not a, a battery grip. You don't put batteries inside it, but a little grip you can add to the bottom of the camera if you feel like it's too little and like you got a pinky dangling. <laughs> Right. So, so you and, need something to put the pinky on, then you can add this little grip to the bottom of it, which is kind of interesting. That they, and in tr- and in true Canon uh, style, they they made it like eighty dollars for yeah. a little piece of plastic. <laughs> right. Cool. Yeah. So China will have us covered there soon, though. So we're good. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get the get, wait for the Velo version. 
All right. Next up is the focusing system. So <laughs> it's really funny to me when you talk about this because they're they're going to talk about the dual pixel AF, and that's all they're going to talk about when you talk about the focusing system. So it yeah. has four thousand seven hundred and seventy nine <laughs> focus points. Um, they work down to minus five EV in one shot mode. They say, and you can select the focus points by either the touchscreen or the joystick is back. So on the R, they took away the joystick and they tried out this new like thumb slider control thing. And uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I think these two cameras were probably developed very similar timeframes. I doubt Mm -hmm. that... I doubt they uh, they learned you know took feedback from the market and decided that slider thing wasn't working. I, I I'm guessing they just maybe it's the cost. Uh, this was a cheaper way, like how they can get the price down. But they added the joystick back, which um which is uh, maybe something I would prefer. I don't know. I've never tried the slider, oh, absolutely. But I think I'd prefer the joystick. People that have tried the can't the OSR hated the slider. So I think <laughs> ironically, like they tried to save money, but they actually brought back an important feature, which is the joystick. Um, yeah. All right. The, the, actually, the minus five EV is a pretty big deal. That's it is. quite that's quite dark. Um, that's impressive that it can focus that well in low light. But a lot of times there's like a little asterisk oh, yeah. with that. And there is on this one. Yep. Okay, where that's only if you're shooting with like a, you know, a point uh, F1.2 lens or something like that. Yeah, they have a whole part of the spec sheet that's dedicated to what it takes to get the minus five EV. And the the biggest one is it has to be one shot mode. You're not going to be using uh, tracking or AI servo or any of the other focusing modes. It has to be one shot and um, and then it was like you said. I think it was ISO 100 only, and I don't know. Um, it was yeah. There were some other restrictions. A whole list of conditions. Yeah, a whole list of conditions. <laughs> I didn't write them all down. The other yeah. thing to note, and this was not together in the spec sheet. I had to, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm going to put it back up there with the autofocus. You do not get dual pixel AF in 4K. And even more than that, so you don't have 4,779 focus points in, in when you're recording video in 4K. And even worse, it isn't even phase detect focus points, which are the more accurate and faster focus points. It degrades all the way down to contrast AF focus points, and yep. they don't say how many. Which is pretty much useless in yeah. video. Right. Like it, it means that autofocus in 4K... Useless. Useless. Can't even use it. Yep. Right. So you're going to be manually focusing, essentially. <laughs> That's what's going to happen yep. if you're going to do 4K video. Um, so big. just like just like 2008. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> the time machine that is Canon. You went back to 2008. Which is interesting because Canon developed a lot of this stuff that were the first to market with some of these things. Yep. And now <clears throat> here you have severely limited 4K. And, you know, no one says why. No, we don't know if it's like a technical reason. There's, you know, corners cut to get the price down on processing power in some way. Although it's got Digicate, so which is the latest processor out of it. So I don't know. Or maybe it's purely a way to say this is an entry-level full-frame camera. And we want you to buy the real deal if you want these features. I'll I'll definitely touch on the on my thoughts on this here in a little bit. Okay, all right. Okay, ISO. This is a completely meaningless number, but everyone wants to hear it. So here we go. ISO one hundred to forty thousand is the range, ISO range, which doesn't mean anything. You you really have to go try it out to see where 
you know, stuff yeah. turns into a snowstorm. It doesn't matter. There's no standards on this camera to camera. It's all different. Even manufacturers like in, within Canon, the RP to the R, this to- could totally be different on the ISO numbers. So yeah, yeah. But most likely it'll be very similar to a 60 Mark II. Probably very similar, right? Because of the sensor. Yep. All right. Max shutter speed. And it's, again, not terribly important specs here, but just to mention it, one four thousandth of a second. So they don't let you get to one eight thousandth. Maybe again, another spot where they're saying this is entry level. If you want one eight thousandth, you got to buy the R or, you know, a better full frame body and the maxing speed. Um, I only brought this up because we've been talking a lot about it on the podcast recently is one eight one uh, one eightieth of a second. There we go. One one eightieth. <laughs> so just uh, numbers. There's not really anything good or bad about that. Um, one four thousandth is not as fast as one eight thousandth, but it's not a whole lot different either. So I don't yeah. think that's a big deal. Um, okay, five. Oh, this this uh, this one was kind of a big deal to me. We'll we'll talk about why mm-hmm. what it matters. But five frames per second is the max frame rate that you can get if, and this is where there's like tons of asterisks <laughs> in the exactly. specs. And I did write them all down this on this one because there's, it's just ridiculous about how, how you can get that. So five frames per second, if you are shooting with a fully charged battery in, which it'll never be because, <laughs> yeah, because they got tiny batteries in one shot AF. So you can't use continuous autofocus at a shutter speed of one five hundredth of a second or more. And um, you have like the maximum aperture on the lens. Oh, yeah. And- so first of all, who can even like <laughs> pull the trigger five times like manually to go click, 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 click with your finger? That's ridiculous. They shouldn't even put that stat in there because five frames a second if in single shot or in one shot. Well, it's one shot AF. So you can you could do uh, high speed continuous drive mode, okay. but one the autofocus has to be single autofocus. Right. So all so five frames. So if you're photographing frames, a flower, yeah, a non-moving flower, right. you can <laughs> you could get Great. five frames a second of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so useful. Oh, Thank you, Canon. There were two other <laughs> things too. No flicker reduction. You can't have flicker reduction on, and no image stabilization on the lens, <laughs> which is ridiculous. So. All of the things that you're going to want to do because, you know, the reason you're going to want five frames a second, you can't do any of them. I want every one of those things enabled when I'm shooting um, basketball and I, you can't do any of it. All right. So it pretty means pretty much means that that is a completely useless stat. Yes. (laughs) So, so let's go to to the next one, which starts actually getting more realistic. Yes. Okay. So if you want to add servo AF, which is, you know, they've been servo AF has been really solid for Canon for a while. Um, You can get a max of four frames per second, which is okay. As long as shooting speed is the priority. So that means as you go (laughs) into the settings, if you tell the camera, you know what, I want you to do the best you can to get focused, but if you don't confirm focus, that's okay. Just take the shot. Right. So it'll it'll take four frames a second out of focus. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> Pretty that's much. That's really useful. Thank you, Canon. And if you turn on uh, flicker reduction, which I, I love that as I'm shooting high school basketball, they're all under the lights that have flicker and it's it makes white balance so much easier to get <laughs> as I'm yeah. going to do that. So um, you get about four frames per second. If you do the both of them, I'm guessing you don't get four frames per second. If you do servo AF and reduce flicker, you probably don't get four, which is what they get next. They're low speed continuous shooting. 
which means you've turned on tracking priority. You're, you're asking the camera to do everything it can to confirm focus before it takes the shot. Now, right, you which is the, the way that the way that you kind of want most cameras yeah, to yeah. operate. Yeah. Because yeah. having a whole bunch of photos that are out of focus, pretty much useless. So then, you know, you make it make it a focus priority. That way it's making sure that focus is nailed in each one of these right. shots. Okay. Then you're all the way down to 2.6 frames per second. <laughs> <laughs> blazing fast that's, that's I, I could like probably Canon. push the shutter myself faster than 2.6 frames per second yeah that's that's pitiful <laughs> so you know oh, I, I don't want to jump in yet but I'm going to <laughs> just, just out of curiosity I looked up the um, the original Canon 6D which came out in, 20, in 2012 and it did 4.5 frames a second and that was how many years ago? That was seven years ago. And it, it was faster than this camera. Yeah. And, and had a better sensor. And that's with all the tracking priority and everything. That's, that's, yeah. You're going to get focus in those four frames a second. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be at room temperature. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be image stabilized. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yes, <clears throat> a serious downside to this. And, and I will talk about it kind of at the end when I'm kind of summarizing how I feel about this camera, you can already tell, but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> nevertheless, all right, let's, let's move on to the next one. The next thing is <clears throat> it's supposed to be able to shoot raw um, with high speed continuous to a UHS two SD card without buffering. So supposedly, and maybe it's because <laughs> you get 2.6 <laughs> yeah, frames the, per the second. Buffer can stay, stay yeah, ahead of the buffer doesn't have a problem staying up with 2.6 frames per second. <laughs> so you can, you know, put it on that mode and take 2.6 frames a second and it will uh, fill up the card. It'll shoot until you fill up the card. So, nice. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> video. Do you do much video, Nick? Yes. Okay. I, I mean, YouTube kind of requires yeah, yeah. video. Yeah. So like <laughs> so, vlogging stuff. Yeah. yeah. Vlogging. It, yeah. It's mostly vlogging and, and that kind of thing. Okay. So, so video is an important, re, uh, important part of why I switched to Sony. Okay. All right. Perfect. It is not something I do a lot of yet. I really want to produce some training courses and stuff where I think this is going to be a bigger deal to me. But for now, this is not something I care about. But I know there's lots of listeners who do. And um, and because of the screen, which we didn't get to yet, but it is a... It's called fully articulating is like the, the actual technical term for it. But it's one of the flippy-outy screens that you can flip all the way around and, and move it. It's ideal for vlogging. It's That's yeah. awesome that they have... this is That's a real pro to this camera over a lot of its competitors that it has that, but the massive con <laughs> to go with that pro is here with the video. So here is the, here's the specs. You can shoot 4k UHD. So that's 38 by 40, 3840 by 2160 video. That's full, you know, normal, like television broadcast quality, um, 4k. 4k video at 24 frames per second that's all you can't do anything else it's only 24 frames per second well 23 point whatever it is you know the the uh, ntsc format anyway yeah okay and so you can't focus right <laughs> you can't right focus you don't that, get to use any you can uh, focus <laughs> so yep. you better set that up beforehand and uh and get that right then it will also shoot 1080p video of course at uh 60 or 30 frames per second 
but no 24, which is weird because that's kind of the standard of what most people use when they're shooting full HD video is 24 frames a second. So weird because the R had it and the RP does not. Again, maybe another spot where they decided if you want that, you've got to buy the better camera, the more expensive model. The other thing is just like on the R, the 4K video is cropped. And I want to try to explain what that means. Um, I've seen some discussion on our Facebook groups about, wait a minute, this is full frame. Why are they saying it's cropped? And there's there's two different things here. It is a full frame sensor, the same as like the 60 Mark II. It's actually not quite as big as the sensor in the R. They reduced it. It produces images that are 27% smaller in resolution than they are. Okay, but the R has a crop factor of 1.75. What that means is it doesn't matter that you have this much bigger than 4K sensor in the full frame sensor in the R. It's going to only record the 3840 by 2160 pixels that it needs to produce that UHD video. So it crops in on the center of the lens and only uses that many pixels from the lens Mm -hmm. to get to record the video and it throws away all the rest of it you just you can't even use it you can't change which portion of the sensor is going to be used to record it's only towards the middle and that's what it means so it's a 1.75 crop factor on the r because the sensor is a little bit bigger and has higher resolution on the rp that crop factor is closer to what you'd see on an aps-c sensor it's 1.625 I did that math myself because not I couldn't find consistent results. There was 1.8. I've seen 1.7. I've seen 1.6. So I looked up, how do you compute this? And there's the whole Pythagorean theorem as part of this. And I did the math myself. I hope I did it right. 1.625 crop factor. That's what it means. So other there's a lot of other cameras that will use all of the information that's coming from the sensor. And then, yes, and that's then way... Sample. Yeah, then they'll downsample. It's way bigger than 4K. And then they'll downsample to 4K and they have to use some algorithms to figure out, you know, what pixels do I throw away and how do I make it look? But you get the... Uh, the, the biggest factor about that, I think, is probably going to be um, understanding what your view is going to look like with the, the lenses that you've got. You're... And it, and it has a lot to do with the the the, fin- the resolution that you end up with too. Like, you know, the, yeah, the, the Sony detail. cameras, <clears throat> those Sony cameras, uh, they, <laughs> they downsample from like a 5K image or a 6K image down to the 4K. And the final result is a really tack sharp um, detail, you know, detail full, image. Yeah, yeah, with a full field of view uh, frame. I mean, they, because of the what they've done with the video settings, it makes this camera completely useless for vloggers. Because, for one thing, it's it's this nice light camera, and you would think with a flippy screen, you would think it'd be perfect for vloggers. But you can't use 4K because it doesn't autofocus, and you can't. And you could do it in 1080p, but you'd be filming everything at 30 frames per right. second, which makes it look like a soap opera. Uh, it's just and and you can't even use the EFS um, lenses, yes. which are the the crop sensor lenses <laughs> um, from Canon, which is one of the big benefits. Well, uh, it's one of the ways that you can make 4K work, like on an EOS R, because you just put a 10 millimeter on there instead of a 16, and right. then the crop isn't as as violent. But uh, you 
it goes down to 720p when you use EFS lenses on here. <laughs> yeah. So you can't even take full advantage of just how small and light this camera is. It's just like, I, I feel like Canon just sat in a room and they said, okay, how can we cripple this? <laughs> I know it, it does. It does. It feels like we've talked about, maybe there's a technical reason, totally possible. Not an engineer that built these things. I don't know. But, but, you know, even if it is a technical reason, that doesn't say much for the technical right. department of Canon right. because other camp companies have figured it out. But and it feels to me like this is all deliberate decisions that they made, like you said, to cripple this camera so that they will force people up to the R. Yeah. Just, Which they're not going to do. They're just going to force them to a different yeah, brand, you yeah. know, because as, at some point it just starts looking kind of sad and that's kind of how it's looking. All right. Let's get through a few more of these specs. Uh, let's go to this, right. the screens. Now we have a three inch 1.04 million dot very angle. So that's that fully articulating rear LCD screen, a, a decent screen. It's, it's touchscreen. It's very angle. Um, the very angle is kind of the biggest deal. A lot of cameras don't include that, but, uh, they do 4k even. So yeah. that's, that's really cool. It's too bad. You can't use 4k. <laughs> and then right. the EVF it's an OLED. And what was interesting to me, they did not, I didn't see anywhere in the Canon market. So this is another number I fished out from somewhere else. So could be wrong. I didn't see them say how many dots there were in the, in the OLED viewfinder on the Canon materials. All they said was OLED EVF. And so that was a little weird. But. And the, the resolution of both of those is about half of what you get on other cameras too. Okay. So right. it's, they're not going to be the sharpest, most beautiful screens. They're going to be kind of re- low resolution looking. Okay. They also have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. My experience with Canon Wi-Fi, have it on the ADD that I've got, was uh, not stellar. It's almost not useful. It takes so long to connect. Like I, I, when I'm at high school basketball games, I'd really love to take one of the better shots that I got, especially like at halftime, looking through the first half shots. And I want to go share one of those photos. It's the time of the game and the kids, the students are all looking on their phones anyway at halftime. I'd love to, to, to leverage the opportunity and push out a photo that I got from the game right there during halftime. And I've tried the Wi-Fi adapter card for the 7D Mark II. It's complete garbage. I don't recommend buying that for it at all. It's not useful. Um, and then I've tried it with the ADD and it just takes so long that like half time's over by the time I finally have stuff all connected and, and ready to pull an image. And I don't have time to share it. It's, it did not work. I've tried this many times to get this to go. Plus, it drains the battery so fast. It's yeah, just not which good. is going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that battery. We're going to yeah. get to that. Um, I can't speak to Bluetooth. I have not used Canon Bluetooth. Have you ever used that, Nick? Uh, nope. Okay. Never so. used the Bluetooth. Uh, although I, I actually had better experiences with the Wi-Fi when I was shooting my 5D Mark IV. I, you know um, what? I'd heard that that's where they finally kind of made it work was the 5D yeah. Mark IV. Maybe the the improvement in the digit processor made it so that this thing like worked fast enough that, that could it could be. go. I don't know. But yeah. But who ex- knows whether they're going to, you know, use the... <laughs> Right. Whether they're going to cripple the Wi-Fi as well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I don't know how the Bluetooth goes. My wife experience has not been, you know, too stellar. Um, it, I don't know. Good feature. I'm glad they put it in. I'm glad that it's there. It seems ridiculous to put a camera out in these days without both of those things being there. So mm-hmm. at least they did it. Hopefully it's not crippled. All right. Let's go to the battery. All right. They created with the R a brand new kind of battery they call the LPE 17. 
And the RP is rated for 250 shots if you use the rear LCD and 210, like worse, shots if you use the EVF. And I want to mention real quick, uh, in case listeners don't know how this is tested, there's a standard called the SEPA standard. It's SEPA DC002. And it came out in 2003. So been trying to measure cameras. They've been encouraging people to measure. There's nothing that says you have to use SEPA standards. But I think most camera makers are using the SEPA standards as they're testing and releasing this information so that there is like a, a baseline standard and you can hopefully compare from camera to camera. I think in reality, it hasn't served so much as a baseline, and it's still pretty much you know, fair game on, on how they rate these things. But just to make you aware of how this works, you're supposed to start off with the factory settings on the camera. So you, you're not supposed to go in and like change stuff um, from factory defaults to try to, to get more images. That's kind of the goal. Whatever's factory settings, you need to use those. Then you power on the camera. You move the zoom lens if there is a zoom lens on it. Then you can take up to 10 shots within a 30-second period of time and before before you have to power it off. If you can't get 10 shots in 30 seconds, then you have to turn it off before then. And you cycle through this power on 30 shots or 10 shots in 30 seconds power off until the battery gives out, which means your power on and power off are consuming battery as you're doing it, along with whatever else. In the case of these mirrorless cameras, they're powering on the rear LCD or the EVF as you're taking shots. And then uh, the number of shots is how many of them actually made it be written out to the memory card when you're done. So that means that sounds like the world's most boring job. <laughs> yeah, <Doesn't> you <laughs> so, yep. They all have to do it and they probably do it a lot of times. So they'd be like, okay. Uh, and on across different models, just to make sure they, yeah. they can get the highest number possible out of doing this. So given that scenario, 250 shots with rear LCD and 210. This is another severely limiting factor to me. Yeah. That's, a, a that's about, that's less than half of most other full frame cameras. I just, like, that is not close to enough. And yeah. Typically you see that number up around 600 to 800, um, 250. That is, you're going to have to have a whole bunch of batteries in your bag, which won't be the end of the world because they will probably be a more affordable battery and they'll be small and light. And this is all just, you know, geared towards making this camera as light and small as possible, right. which was kind of the selling point because they better give it at least one selling point because the features are not going to sell the camera. It's going to be the size. <sighs> Yeah. Now I, I'm not, this also means because of that specific setup, you can get more than 250 shots with this camera. I guarantee you can, because you could yeah. turn it on, you could go to high speed continuous and you could take five blurry shots <laughs> a second <laughs> and you could get more than 250. I, I am absolutely certain you could get this up into the thousands without any problem at all. But it's not meaning, you know, they're trying with this test to make it kind of a meaningful thing to a consumer, not necessarily to a pro. I think pros use their cameras differently than this. Yeah. But a consumer, a hobbyist, like maybe me, although I don't, I use it more differently than this too. But the consumer where their average use case, the majority of the time that they're going to use this camera is turn it on, take up to 10 shots, turn it back off and put it back in their bag or their purse or whatever, however they're carrying this camera around. That's what the test is designed mm -hmm. to give you numbers on. And it's really limiting. 
You know, the two main selling points for this camera are going to be the size, because this is a teeny tiny full frame camera, and it's going to be incredibly light. That's that is a big selling point for a lot of people. And the price you said it was thirteen hundred for the body, plus they're like if you pre order, they're throwing in the adapter, which you'll probably have to have. Right. They're throwing that in for free. So, you know, the, those are the two main things that the, the main selling points of the camera. Um, one of the things that when we were getting ready for this, one of the things like I mentioned that I did was I looked up the specs of the original 6D. So the original 6D has not only a sensor that um, is rated better and has more dynamic range, but you can get them used for $650 now, <laughs> which is half the price and you get a better, better sensor, better frame rate, fat, better frame rate, um, and well, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, the, the focusing system is going to be the biggest downside because it's, it's a guy 11 focus points. And the only one that's reliable is the center one. So you're going to be doing a lot of focus and recomposing, but for 650 bucks, you can get a better camera than this brand new Canon. And th- this was released in 2012 as like their entry level full frame camera. And they have still not improved on their entry level full frame camera. And did did you sad. notice when you looked it up? I don't think it did, but did the 6D have an articulating screen? No, it does not. All right. No, no flippy outy. Um, it also doesn't have dual pixel AF, which was a pretty big deal sure. when, that, when that first came into you know the 5D Mark IV. That's what makes it focus really well in live view, which anybody that shoots on a tripod probably is using live view. The 5D Mark IV and this camera will be very way better at focusing in live view. Um, and focusing in video with dual pixel AF is, you know, dual pixel AF makes these cameras function well in video. Without it, they pretty much suck at autofocus. Um, so that, that'll be the biggest difference is, is focusing system. But if you're not going to be doing video and if you're not um, really needing a, a much better focusing system, you can save a whole lot of money by just getting a used 6D and you'll have better image quality. That's sad because that's uh, how many years is that? That's seven years old. <laughs> that in seven years they've only gotten worse. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Does anybody else see the this, just the depression? Oh, just you just wait sad. till the Canon fat fanboys come after you, Nick. You, I know you. I'm not going to be popular after this, but <laughs> heresy. Come on, people. Seven years. <laughs> seven years. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> So let's let's. I, what I want to wrap up with here is, like we talked about, if Jeff was a fish, this is the lore. Canon, like this is. It's not just a general lore. This isn't like, well, this in this area, it works well. This is like we know Jeff the fish, and this he loves these. <laughs> he loves this right here, and this that should have been what this camera was. That it seems like Canon's going after the crop sensor market the Canon crop sensor, the people who currently shoot Canon crop and they want this to bridge them and keep them in the system. They want this to be like, Hey, look, you can get full frame for a very inexpensive price and it's mirrorless, which everyone loves right now. That's all the rage. All you people are telling us you want mirrorless. So look at this full frame mirrorless. Don't you want it? Right. First of all, I'm envisioning a bunch of like 85 year old men with canes as at this meeting. 
They see they want full frame mirrorless. <laughs> I don't understand it, but they want it. <laughs> Two frames a second so fast. And back in my day. <laughs> okay. So so this should be like the target. I should be the target. And honestly, when I saw because they when I first saw the published stuff on this, the specs are kind of, you know, in the details of any of this. You see it on social media, you see Twitter posts or even Instagram or, or Facebook. And, and the, the thing that you see in those is the price. You don't see the specs. They don't usually put any of the specs. That's, that's, you know, click on a link and see the specs. So I saw the price and I thought, whoa, okay. I, I'm actually kind of in the market for upgrading my camera. I've had it for quite a while now. I've stayed put since 2014. So I, I am ready. Since the last time Canon released a <laughs> yeah. decent camera. Yeah. <laughs> I am ready to invest a little bit in a camera body again. I'm ready to try to get... A, specifically, my biggest thing that I want is more dynamic range. And certainly I could get that by going to full frame, but that's just too much money. So that's, that's not on the table for me. And so I, I really want to get more dynamic range. I could switch, but we've already talked about why that's not something I want to do. So this should have been exactly what I needed right here. The, co- the price is reasonable and yeah. um and it's, full it's a great frame. price it's a very competitive price it is the price certainly not the problem <laughs> not the problem so this should no. have totally been my lore and i should have been biting i am absolutely not interested in this camera whatsoever there's as soon as i got past the price and we t- price loyalty right that's yep it drew me in it made me at least look and uh, and then i looked at the specs and five five fps even if i got five not good enough that's not not good enough for what I do. I shoot high school basketball. Um, the only I shoot family portraits the most. That's my my most uh, the the things I shoot the very most. I shoot high school basketball next most. I got to have higher frame rates. I can't. Five is not good enough. I'm not going to buy a camera that's slower. Everybody knows that anything above three frames a second is just spraying. And yeah, brain. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not good enough then, right? That's I'm fine. Maybe two and two point six, whatever it was, frames per second with actual autofocus on. Maybe someone who's way better skilled than I am at it can get that, but it's not so good enough for not me. Not to make you jealous or anything, but um, I just bought an A9, and nice. I have I have twenty frames a second nice. silently with zero blackout, where it's just like watching a movie through my viewfinder. So it's so easy to track stuff. Oh man. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe in like the year 2030, something like that, uh, <laughs> Canon will have something similar. So here's my question to you, Jeff. Yep. Let's say that your camera takes a tumble and it dies. Let's oh. say this happens tomorrow oh, and boy. you ha- you have ha- how many lenses you got? I I have three lenses that are. Okay. You have your three lenses yeah. sitting on the shelf there and then you have to ask yourself, okay, what camera body am I going to buy? Like if you're put in that situation where you have to invest more money into a camera system, how does these kind of releases make you feel about the future of Canon oh, and not, their ability to uh, like innovate and, you know, push, yeah. push the really push the envelope of what's possible. Not good in the slightest, not, not even remotely. I, I am convinced I need to get out of Canon, but that event <laughs> it, that, you know what, that's, that's exactly what it would take, Nick. That's what would get me to finally do something different. If I busted my camera and it's it's just dead, uh, there's no hope for it. 
Yeah, I'm going to switch systems at that point. That's going to, that yeah. would be, I mean, because today, the, the time, that's what would happen. The time comes when you do have to invest more money into whatever camera system you see the, the best future for. Absolutely. And, and right now it's just not looking good because I, I understand Canon's desire to get into the full frame mirrorless market. Oh, they had man. To. Absolutely. But their first two entries are just so like, oh, this should be the, the, the mirrorless rebel. You know, <laughs> right. That's right. kind of what it is. The RP. And yep. Yeah, but they've got to at least match the the specs of what they already have out when they're starting to go backwards like they are. That's not good. Which is exactly how I see it. As I compare it to the 7D Mark II, other than the full-frame sensor, this doesn't compare. The the 7D Mark II beats it in every category. And they've had five years to innovate, and they went backwards. That's that's a bad sign. (laughs) I feel like... (laughs) I don't know what happened. I think like their R and D department just like went on strike and they're trying to not let people know. (laughs) They just have like random people working in the R and D department. It hasn't gone anywhere. They're just throwing old sensors into slightly newer bodies and calling it good and saying, well, it's weather sealed. (laughs) Now let's, is this camera for anybody? Obviously I don't feel like it's for me. I don't feel like it's good. It's, it's one that's going to dramatically appeal to that crop sensor uh, Canon shooter today. I don't think that this is something that's going to make most of them want to do it. Do you think it appeals to anybody? I think if somebody owned like a 5D Mark II or the original 5D, like they had the most basic, um, low quality, uh, full frame camera. So they had full frame lenses already and they're wanting to save a buck. No, even then, I would push them to a 6D original. Like, I don't know who I would <laughs> encourage to buy this camera because I'm pretty sure it's somebody with a big coupon, <laughs> with a $700 off coupon, I don't know. I don't think that this camera, I wouldn't push anybody to buy this camera personally. Yeah. And again, no, we're not saying it can't produce really good images. It probably will. It yeah. probably will do great. There's probably <clears throat> lots of ways this could be used. Landscape is probably a, a, a decent way uh, to use this camera and, and produce some really cool images. Except they would be better served with a 6D Mark I because <laughs> <laughs> they would have more dynamic range, which happens to be very useful in landscape photography. And it would probably you know be more robust and, and um, withstand the test of time a little better because you know if they cut this many corners on you know all the little specs, who's to say that they didn't cut corners on you know the the build quality of yeah, the flippy screen? Yeah. Um, I, I think that you know people that want to stay Canon, their money is better served either saving up for something better, the EOS R, or getting something used which has been proven to be better. You know, you, nowadays you're able to get like a 5D Mark IV for, I don't know, not a whole lot more, yeah. probably like 1600 bucks. And that camera will blow this thing away. <laughs> the, the 5D Mark IV is a much better camera and, you know, it, it has decent autofocus and all of those things. Um, I just don't know. I don't know who this is for. I might have to look at the 5D Mark IV. <laughs> 5D Mark IV is an excellent camera and it will be an excellent camera for quite a while. Like you're giving, giving up a little dynamic range. Um, 
you know, but it, it was the the first one that really came out where they implemented a touchscreen really well. Yeah, the yeah. Wi-Fi worked. It's got enough focus points to be usable. Um, it's fast enough. I shot NFL with it. Like it, it's a good all around camera um, and bl- still blows away the, the newest cameras from Canon, even though it's like four years old now, which is just sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that says everything that needs to be said. They haven't, they haven't beat their 5D Mark IV in the last four years. <laughs> all right. I think we ripped on it good enough. Kind of <laughs> yeah, funny. send all hate mail to Jeff No, Marvin no, no. We're good. That's why we have contact <laughs> info at the end for Nick. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I might not give it away this episode. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's finish up with our doodads. What do you have, Nick? I have something that couldn't be any more unrelated <laughs> than it is. So, um, especially this time of year when you're out and doing a landscape photo trip or whatever, and you get your boots just soaking wet in either snow or your, you know, many reasons you get your, your boots wet. I've started traveling with a portable boot dryer. And it's something that I've grown to just absolutely love and be addicted to because there's nothing better than getting up for a sunrise shoot and have toasty, warm, dry boots to put on rather than, you know, trying to rig, rig up the, the hair dryer like in the bathroom to dry out your boots. And we've all done that if we're doing landscape photography. So uh, mine is the Dry Guy Portable Boot Dryer. And it's one of the best investments I've made. I travel with it everywhere I go. And it's really nice to dry out your boots or your shoes or your gloves or your socks, whatever is getting wet uh, when you're on photo trips. So it's the Dry Guy Portable Boot Dryer. It's like 49 bucks, something like that. All right. Excellent. We'll have a link in the show notes. So you can go find that if you're interested in that. I'm going to like one up you here. I'm not even going to make it photography related. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're we're all burnt out on photography after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not going to put the RP in here as the dude out of the week. Um, no, I'm going to recommend, so I, I work in a home office and, um, so there's, I'm hoping it'll apply because photographers are small business owners and, and maybe this will be something that will, will help you out as a small business owner. Uh, I'm going to recommend for you the Jabra Evolve 75 stereo UC, um, headset. So this is a wireless headset. It can also do Bluetooth with your phone. So that's cool too, but it's, it's, uh, helping me. I make phone calls using my computer all day in my home office in my day job. And I love it. This has been a really, really good product. It works like flawlessly. The battery lasts like forever. It's 14 hours of, of uh, life. Um, it goes down as you use it. Of course, like talk time is not 14 hours, but it'll stay alive in like uh, standby mode or if you've got it connected for up to 14 hours, it's pretty cool. So um, I've even forgotten to charge it between, you know, one day of the office and the next day, and it was still working great. So super cool product. I, I really like it. I can endorse it. So that's my pick. It's about 170 bucks. So it's not totally cheap, which is usually my thing, but <laughs> but it's a good product. I like it. Nice. Nice. All right. Masterphotographypodcast.com is where you're going to find the show notes. That's where you're going to find out how to contact Nick and tell him he's wrong. So you're going to want to go over there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, that email is <clears throat> Jeff Harmon at Jeff Yeah. Uh, there probably is one of those. That's not me. So go ahead. Um, 
And then there's the Facebook group. Nobody listens at this point anyway, Nick. So we're, we're fine. Facebook group is Master Photography Podcast. You can search for it on Facebook. There's a link in the show notes. So go over to masterphotographypodcast.com. Find the show notes. Get the links. You don't have to remember any of this. Then you can find my work, jsharmanphotos.com. My other podcast is phototacopodcast.com. I'm going to be talking about some really cool... I have so many ideas of what we're going to do there real soon. So it's going to be fun. Um, You can find me on Facebook, Harmon Jeff, Twitter, Harmon underscore Jeff. That stupid Harmon Jeff guy took it. And Instagram, Harmon Jeff. Okay, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, The easiest way is just do a Google search. Google search, Nick Lord Page. Page. Yeah. And I'll be the one that's not a comedian. (laughs) There's some comedian guy that's just totally cramping my style on Google right now. But um, nickpagephotography.com. You can go to YouTube, youtube.com slash nickpagephotography. You can check out my podcast, Landscape Photography Podcast. I promise I don't talk gear there because now you can see why (laughs) I'm such a snob. I am a total, total snob. But yep, that's where you can find me. Instagram, Nick page photography. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining. Nick. It was, it was fun. I'm glad to have a buddy to get in a quicksand with me. And, and, yeah. You know, take next, all the heat. next time, next time invite me when there's something to be excited about <laughs> rather than just like, let's, let's rip on Canon for an hour and then let the hate mail flow. <laughs> no, that's, it's all, it's all good. Hopefully people will, will take it in the spirit it's intended. We'll see. <laughs> Probably not. All right. Yeah. That's that's what we have for the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For those of you who hung on all the way through to the end, congratulations. We should put an Easter egg or something in at one, one of these episodes, see if people get there. Um, and uh, we're so glad to have you, though. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again in another seven days. 